Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I, I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life, I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never followed through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you on your own could have done this. So we are called to sing. All of us are called to sing. All of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for through the harmony or unison, we're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide. What are you gonna participate in? Are you gonna participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not? Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us.
And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It is wonderful to be with you here this evening. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, listening and being a part of our show. As always, uh, I am joined by my friend and co-host Andy Santis. And welcome, and uh, welcome to Sewing Hope. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Bill. I I love Sewing Hope, and I love our audience, and and we have another wonderful guest. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We got another great guest, returning guest, which is always fun. Yes, it's always fun because this is actually uh, Jacqueline Nunez' third time to be on Sewing Hope, and not only are we going to talk about uh, her life, faith, and mission but also learn a lot about the Catholic Church and a particular parish in the Dominican Republic. So thank you so much, Jacqueline, for joining us here on Sewing Hope. And do we have Jacqueline's mic? Just unmute your phone there, Jacqueline. She's with us on the screen, folks. <laughs> That's right. Jacqueline will be here. And I may say that the priest that she's going to be discussing his ministry, his name is Father Ruben Lizala from the Dominican Republic. And we've had a couple episodes about uh, the ministry of this priest and the wonderful work that he's doing to rebuild the church. Um, Jacqueline has a love of this church community. We're going to learn a lot about it. So Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, you're very welcome, Anne. And once again, thank you so much, Anne and Bill, for having me here. Um, the third time on Patchwork Ministry. And I just want to apologize. I'm not too no tech savvy when it comes to, um, you know, computer stuff. But I just would like to begin this interview with a quick prayer. Please do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ Jesus, give us a divine light that inspires us in your goodness and mercy. As Father Shubin, as, as Anne Santos mentioned, we will be talking about him and his priestly ministry and his apostolic priestly church mission. Um, he says Jesus calls us all to love, humility, sacrifice, Christian gathering, loving and spiritual intimacy with the divine guest of our souls was Jesus Christ alive in us. So I just want to say amen in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Now, Thank you. Amen. You're welcome. Now, Anne and I met at Our Lady of Lords Roman Catholic Church in Philadelphia a few years back during a Mercedarian Third Order meeting that I was um, checking out during that time. I was kind of pondering where the Lord was calling me to serve him in a closer way. And since then, she and I have remained in contact, which is nice. Mm -hmm. On the 4th of December, 2019, Andy Santos, then talk show host for the online TV show RVN TV, was kind enough to interview me via Skype in an effort to help Padre Tomas Constantino Cabagrullon, the initial Carmelite Fiscal Friar, in charge of the church construction um, to rebuild that deteriorated chapel known as Iglesia Nuestra Señora de las Mercedes in a very impoverished town in the Dominican Republic. The area is better known as Tavera La Vega, Dominican Republic or Cibao. 
And the purpose of this podcast interview is to help spread the awareness regarding the Iglesia Nuestra Señora de las Mercedes. It has been an ongoing Roman Catholic Church construction project. And I just wanted to spread the word out there to others who would like to quite possibly give financially or even to pray for this ministry for it to be successful. Um, it is a pro-life church mission and also Fray Ruben La Sala is the current priest in charge of the project. He is also involved in his priestly apostolic um, work, which is feeding and providing adequate housing to the many poor people in El Desecho and the other local surrounding areas around that same community. However, due to the ongoing COVID pandemic, the construction efforts for the church have slowed down and even come to a halt um, due to the lack of um, funding and also construction work material resources. So he, they still do need um, you know, our prayers for that mission to be complete. But a little bit about the church history. Um, many, many years ago in 1914, a chapel was made. When that chapel was made, it had wooden flooring, palm table walls, and a cane roof. Then a few years down the road in 1943, the chapel was built from cement block and a tin roof. And many years after that, in 1975, the chapel again was built anew, but was already in a bad state of structural construction. Then in 2009, a new church construction project began to be drawn up with the idea of celebrating the centenary of the foundation of the Gulf Carmelite del Caribe with a newly renovated church. On Sunday, September 24, 2017, the church festivities in the community of El Desecho concluded and the firm decision to make a new church was made. And that's what brings us to where we are today with the new construction church that uh, has been put in plan and, it, and is still put in plan. Um, the local church community back then did continue celebrating their normal religious activities in the Catechesis Church Hall. The old rundown church was demolished. Um, so that's when the real construction work effort began. On the 21st of December, 2017, the blessing of the grounds was made possible by the local bishop of the area in the Diocese of La Vega, Monsignor Hector Rafael Mena Rodriguez. And that's when the first groundbreaking mass was given by the concelebrants, fathers, Ramon Abreu and Father Tomas Gava. On the 8th of February in 2018, initial construction work was began on that old empty church lot where the old wooden church once stood with the help of the local faithful church community members in that area in the decision. Since then, from April 2018 to September 2018, interior church work has been being completed, um, you know, right down from scratch, from the dirt ground to the plastering of cement, which holds up the concrete church interior. And that's during that time, bi-weekly masses were being celebrated um, with the pastor who was in the project back then, Padre Tomas, and with the help of the president of the assembly, Elvis Rafael Mena Rodriguez. Up until August 2019, the bathrooms, drop ceiling, floor veneers, doors, and church blinds are being made. Also, the church has already been plastered with cement blocks to make an iron 
shelter against the hurricanes. The bathrooms, doors, shutters are already, have been already in place during that time. And all of that was made by the generosity of people um, like yourselves listening to this podcast with a total donation of $56,414.75. And I just also want to mention that um, I am very excited about being on this podcast. And I look forward to being a third order Mercedarian. I, you know, like Anne, she's a professed member. Um, and I also hope to be a professed member. Anne, can you hear me? Yes, we can, Jacqueline. Oh. Uh, and my mind was going to all of the visuals that you gave us on this uh, church project. And I think that Father Rubain Lasala is doing amazing work in the Dominican Republic. And I also thank you for bringing it to light for our listeners. And yes, you and I are so blessed that we know each other from the Mercedarian Religious Order, where I am a third order member, as you said, and you are going to profess yourself as a member of this third order. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm also, of course, the director of their foundation for the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation, which is a blessing. So thank you so much, Jacqueline, for being a guest on Sewing Hope. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Anne. And once again, thank you so much, Bill. Oh, yeah. Um, and yes, um, like I was saying, I have in my own faith journey, I just want to kind of um, talk a little bit about my faith. Yes, please. And it's, it hasn't been smooth sailing like the saying goes. You know, I've had, you know, a few bumps down the road, you know, um, a lot of hills. I would also say, I mean, when I was in high school, my parents did, you know, always remind me to always make time for prayer. I always did. They educated me since kindergarten to ninth grade in Catholic school. So, you know, I knew the importance of going to Holy Communion, confession, praying, and everything. And I did that, you know, my entire um, career in high school. And then I went to college. I, I would go to church, but I'm what you call, um, I, I was like a cafeteria Catholic. You know, I would like, you know, pick whatever I wanted to, to follow in the church teaching and then what I didn't. And then I got married to the Catholic Church, and I, I married a non-Catholic, and that really didn't work out too well. Um, we didn't really agree on a lot of the our faith. So, you know, I got a divorce and a marriage annulment. And then after that, I really discovered my faith and um, the beauty of it. I realized that I really need to look for God and, um, you know, just go to church more, pray more. And that has brought me a lot of peace in my life. I mean, because before, I think that a lot of times we like to listen to the media and what the media, you know, wants to sell us that will give us peace. But that's the total opposite. We all, I believe that we find true peace only in Jesus Christ and going to the church and going to mass. And that's where I am today. And um. Like Anne was saying, you know, I think that it will be 
so wonderful to become a fully professed member. I did receive my um, member materials. So I have my scapular, I have my book, I have my pen, and I'm looking to make my promise as a fully professed third order member that that will be such a, a blessing. Um, but going back to the needs of the church, the Dominican Republic, as of September 28, 2020 of last year, Brother Rubin has said the construction work has um, remained to be completed. And in this hecho, interior and exterior parts of the church is still needed. Interior church wall and the exterior church wall or perimeter fence, rather, is still undergoing construction efforts and the interior wall of the church is still left and finished due to lack of funding during the pandemic time. And as far as after speaking with Padre Ruben Lasada recently, he informed me that as a result of COVID-19, construction materials have, um, you know, are so costly, they really haven't been able to go far with finishing the church, but they, they still have hope in the Blessed Virgin Mary that the church will be finished so that all of the faithful can um, really enjoy the church and help grow in the faith. Many of the families in the small city of El Liceo, La Vega, come from the poorest economic backgrounds. Their homes are very humble, simplistic, and structural style. Actually, two of the faithful church members in El Liceo shared with me their faith journey testimony, which began in the old rundown chapel of El Liceo and they express the importance of how rebuilding the church has been so meaningful to them and their families, Catholic spiritual growth, in helping them to grow and keep their faith, especially during difficult times like the pandemic. The Ildisejo resident said that as a child, one of them said that she learned that in order to have faith in Jesus and Mary, our Blessed Mother, we must simply seek God's intercession to grant us that gift of faith. And she said that this was one of the many things that she learned at the old rundown Iglesia Nuestra Señora de las Mercedes Church in El Desecho, where she received most of the sacraments of the Catholic Church. And although very small in size, she said the local chapel parishioners were very active participants of the old church, joyfully shared their rich and lively Catholic faith with others. They were always very hospitable and, and smiling to one another. It was not the size of the church that worried us, she said, but the poor structural state in which the church was in. As an active church community, it was decided to build a new church without any material resources, only believing in God's promises and trusting the solidarity of people who would empathize with the economic needs of that poor community. They did hope in Our Lady of Mercy for a new holy temple where they could all worship our Lord Jesus Christ and honor his sacred and most blessed mother, mother of all peoples, our Lady of Mercy. They prayed fervently and they continue to pray for all who have con contributed who will continue to contribute um, generously towards the final construction of the new chapel in the stage of Grace and Señor de las Mercedes. Certain pastor, is Padre Ruben La Sala. His priestly calling came early in his life, actually in high school when he was 15, when he was a teenager. He began the call to, he felt a strong call to the priestly vocation in 2001 
that's when he began his call. He joined the Carmelite Discalced Friars as an aspirant. In 2004, Padre Ruben studied philosophy at Pedro Francisco Bono Philosophical Institute for Jesuits that prepared him for the priesthood in the Catholic American Public Santo Domingo. In 2008, Padre Ruben was sent to a Carmelite convent for religious friars in the country of Honduras where he was an novitiate there for his priestly formation. Um, he was also professed there, um, and he received his religious vows. That's where he professed religious vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. He was also given a religious name. Today, he is better known as Fray Ruben de la Misericordia de Dios. In English, Father Ruben of the Mercy of God. After his time in the novitiate in Honduras, Padre Ruben was transferred again to the capital of the country, the American Republic, Santo Domingo, where he began his theological studies in the Carmelite Discalced Convent of the Dominican Friars for a total of four years. Upon completion of his religious studies there, Padre Ruben was transferred to another country in the Caribbean islands, um, I'm sorry, the same country, the Caribbean Islands, I apologize, a different city rather, Santiago de los Caballeros, to prepare him for holy orders as a transitional deacon as part of the ordained ministry. On March 19, 2013, Padre Ruben was ordained into the diaconate a few months later. He was transferred to um, another town in the Dominican Republic where he actually lives now with three other um, the Carmelite Discalced Friars in El Caimito, La Vega. During that time, however, he just exercised his transitional diaconal ministry. In October 25, 2014, he was ordained a discalced Carmelite friar after the imposition of the hands by the ordaining bishop, Amancio Escapa, followed by other discalced Carmelite friars who were present um, during his priestly ordination, son Judas Tadeo, in English, that's um, translated as Saint. Jude Tadeus in Capital of the Mercury Republic, Santo Domingo. After only two months of being ordained a priest, Padre Ruben was transferred to the Discalced Carmelite Religious Community in Puerto Rico, a U.S. territory. The Discalced Carmelites of Caribe can actually be found not only in the American Republic, but like we mentioned, Cuba, Puerto Rico, and also here in the state of Miami, Florida. After being in Puerto Rico for six months, Padre Ruben was asked if he wanted to return back to the Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo, to the parish of St. Jude Tadeus. After being in St. Jude Tadeus for only six months, Padre Ruben was asked to go to Cuba, Matanzas, that's the name of the city, and he willingly agreed um, as a vow of obedience. Padre Ruben lived in Cuba for two and a half years before he was transferred to Santiago de los Caballeros in the Dominican Republic to the parish of Santa Teresa de Jesus, in English known as St. Teresa of Avila Parish, where he exercised his priestly ministry as a church pastor for three chapels, Santa Teresa de Jesus, San Juan de la Cruz, known as St. John of the Cross, and Nuestra Señora de las Mercedes, the Lady of Mercy. St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, and Lady of Mercy parishes. In Santiago de los Caballeros, he accompanied the Lady Carmelites and their spiritual growth. He was like their spiritual moderator there. 
Throughout his brief priestly ministry, Father Jouvain says he has discovered a merciful God who always shows us his unconditional love and forgiveness. Like a, a father who's always um, welcoming his children with open arms. Or like Jesus who went out and left the 99 sheep to go after the one sheep who was lost. Father Jouvain also says God manifests his mercy in our lives through our smallness sinfulness and transforms our five loaves and two fish into something great as God's people. Since entering the karma congregation, Father Jubin has been mostly concerned about two areas in living as a consecrated religious friar. Those two have been spirituality and charity. The discussed Carmelite friar describes spirituality as stemming from a deeper encounter with Jesus which comes from spending time alone with Christ, who love, whose love never fails us. His same spiritual experience is expressed in the lives of the Carmelite Holy Founders, Santa Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross. In every Carmelite community that he has visited, Padre Rubén has tried to share his prayerful life with the faithful to help them grow in their faith and to draw them closer to Christ and to the Catholic Church. In Cuba, he formed a third order lay Carmelite group where he taught the faithful how to pray, how to get to know the Carmelite saints and how to love the Catholic Church, purifying the deep Cuban syncretism. After charity, Fray Rubén de la Misericordia de Dios feels that God has called him to work with the poor, both physically and spiritually through prayer. Fray Rubén says Cuba has been the place where he has seen most people in need not only spiritually, but also materially. Father Rubin has explained that scarce material goods have ranged from sanitary goods like toothpaste and toilet paper to food construction, food consumption like rice and chicken in Cuba. Father Rubin has shared every monetary donation that he has received during his time um, serving the church and he has given that money back to help those who are in need. He did this one time while preaching the gospel in the United States of America, where he shared, where he shared his monies with the, with the Cuban people. Um, he says that the people there aren't able to make a living to provide for their families with the little salary that they own, that they earn. Um, Father Rubin is grateful to God. He was able to travel twice to the United States of America, which afforded him to use the monetary donations he acquired to buy basic living supplies for the Cuban families. In Santiago de Cuba, he established a food and medicine pantry ministry in three of the local parishes where he was serving. Um, with whatever money he had, he had, he purchased medicine and food to be able to give to the poorest parishioners who were at the church in need. Since that time, uh, since this past February, Padre Tomas um, was the original priest in charge of the church construction project. But since March 1 of last year, Padre Rubén has taken over. Um, Padre Rubén has been the newly assigned pastor of Parroquia Santa Barbara La Torre. Um, better known as St. Barbara Parish in La Torre Caimito La Vega. He, if you look up um, Parroquia 
Santa Barbara La Torre in Facebook, you'll be able to see a picture of Father Ruben and the three friars whom he um, lives, lives with in the Seminario de los Padres Descalzos in El Camino La Vega Dominican Republic. Um, Padre Ruben has taken over Padre Tomas pastoral duties and is responsible for the 23 chapels that with the help of the three other Carmelite discussed friars that he lived with, Fray Felix, Fray Misael, Fray Sandy, he joyfully tends to. Padre Ruben continues to help the poorest communities, both materially and spiritually, within the local parish territory and in the Secho, which include, but not limited to, Laurel, Yavanal, Mocan Campana, La Bruga, and other nearby areas. There is a very impoverished. Padre Ruben brings others to friendship with Jesus Christ and via social media on Facebook under Parroquia Santa Barbara La Torre. Live streams and nocturnal prayer ministry where many people from different parts of the world tune in to listen Monday to Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with other um, other of his um, discussed Carmelite friars, like, for example, Fray Misael. Um, Padre Rubén lives with the three other Carmelite discussed friars, as aforementioned before. Once again, that's Friar Feliz, Friar Misael, and Friar Sandy. Um, another question is, how have um, people been able to contribute to this good church mission. Well, prayers are always needed. Also, the old pastor in charge of the ministry had established a church bank account under Parroquia Santa Barbara La Torre in La Vega, Dominican Republic. For donations with Cooperativa La Vega, put into good use all proceeds directly into the rebuilding construction efforts to Iglesia Nuestra Señora de la Fenestades in El Desecho Tavera La Vega, Dominican Republic. However, for more information on how to contribute to this good church mission, you can just email me, littleflower to you at gmail.com. Once again, that's littleflower to you at gmail.com. Oh, Jacqueline, thank you. You're very the little little flower T O Y O U, correct? At gmail.com. Um, little little flower L I T T L E. F L O W E R, the number two and the letter U. Oh, okay. Thanks for clarifying to you're you. Okay. Very, very good. Very, very good. Yeah. I mean, what a wonderful description of the life and mission of Father Rubain LaSala. Um, it's incredible how much work he has done, not only for the people of the church community in the Dominican Republic, but also in Cuba. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so thank you so much. Now, I would love to hear, and I'm sure our listeners, maybe Bill would agree, yeah. how you became connected and how you found out <laughs> about Father Rubain Lusala. Please tell us. Absolutely. And how I found out about Father Rubain Lusala is because um, during that time when you had interviewed me on RVN TV, I was helping Padre Tomas with putting the word out there about Iglesia Nuestra Señora de las Mercedes to help him um, raise funds for the construction effort. Um, it was wonderful. And then after that, I still maintained in contact with Padre Tomas. Then at some point in time, he did tell me that he was going to be transferred to a different 
parish. And he told me that a different friar, this South Carmelite, um, Padre Ruben, was going to take over. And this was back in February 2020 of last year that Padre Tomas um, no longer was in charge of the church mission, Iglesia de Sosimilio but Padre Ruben actually started um, taking over the mission on the 1st of March. So that's how that's how I found out and about the church mission through the through helping Panama, and also through the people actually there, the local church uh, members of Iglesia They were also telling me um, that they were going to have a new pastor. Wow, that's incredible. So tell us, have you ever been to that area of the Dominican Republic, and how are you connected with that community? Yeah, I have not been there. I was actually planning on going um, this past December, but because of COVID and not only that, but because of the advisory, the travel advisory to the Republic, COVID is very, very, um, very strong over there. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of people have it. So since it's such a small town, I was very, very hesitant on going or even, you know, like catching something on the plane and, and just, you know, if other people sick, you know, I didn't want to do that. So I changed my plans and I didn't go. But how am I connected to the people there? That church community mem- um, group is actually um, through, initially through family. Um, they, you know, told me about, you know, the church and how this church is in need in that area. And so, you know, I got in contact with Padre Tomas and Padre Tomas put me in contact with Padre Jovain. And, you know, we've all been interconnected and also with the president of assembly, Elvis Mena as well, and his wife, Jocelyn Mena. So I've been in contact with her um, and with other church community members as well. Um, very, and what I've learned about these people is that, yes, they can be, you know, they come from a very impoverished area, but their their faith is just, is yeah. so rich in mercy. You know, these people show so much mercy, so much love for God, um, so much charity towards others. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, you know, Jacqueline, it, it, it's very neat how, uh, you know, first of all, the picture you painted of uh, Father Ruben and the church, uh, it's just so beautiful. Um, and, I, and, you know, one of the things you highlight so much is the poverty that's there. Um, and, and I'm just wondering, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you know Jesus is, is so close to the poor. Um, yeah. And, and and we see the face of Jesus in the poor so very much. Um, Absolutely. You know what? What though? I'm just curious if you if you know anything about what's been going on during COVID time for them, because uh, during this time of pandemic, um, you know, has it been? I mean, obviously the church and the funds and all of that kind of get put on the back burner when we're dealing with, you know, the issues of of you know health. Uh, it, is it are are things more challenging for them down there right now as far as COVID is concerned, and and uh, and how is that, and how is that going uh, with with the COVID uh, pandemic during during this time for for those parishioners and those people in that very very poor area of El Desecho? Yes, um, and that's a wonderful question, Bill. How has it been going for them? I mean. I know that a lot of people have been struggling as far as actually healthcare. 
um, you know, it's a different healthcare system over there in the right. Dominican Republic. If you have the money to pay a hospital or a doctor at times, you know, there's very little that the medical staff can do for you. So if, if that means like people actually have to make a line um, or maybe just be turned away from medical care, yeah, sometimes it also means that as well. Um, so, I mean, how these people are coping, I can imagine that the people that don't have money to see a doctor go to the hospital, you know, they're probably just at home, you know, um, having like, you know, tea or, you know, over-the-counter medication or whatever they can do or just quarantine and stay in bed to try to, you know, fight off this this um, COVID. Yeah. You know, this virus. Um, but yeah, I know that that's how it's been like that for them. And as far as like a lot of them going to work, a lot of people in this stage, you know, believe it or not, don't work. Um, I, a lot of them do agriculture. They have like cows and, and crops. Um, they have their chickens, their poultry, some of them that they raise. A lot of people don't work. They just live off of that. Um, but very few of them do work. So very few of them do go out and, you know, are able to um, earn um, something to support their family. But a lot of people in this issue actually don't work. So wow. I can imagine that those families during the pandemic must be struggling, struggling the most. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's really interesting, though, that you talk about that, um, how yes. how they just don't work, but they have their needs provided for. Right. I mean, like they have their uh, they have their poultry, they have their cows, they have their 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 crops. And, you know, I yeah. think that that is something that is so very foreign to us. I mean, what a what a wonderful witness uh it, it's it's the witness of the gospel actually you know in in the book of acts it says that they all lived in community and shared the and and shared the the you know communal things um and and, and that's so very cool that i mean obviously you know working is important and having a mission in life is important but but it's you know for us in america especially during this pandemic i think it's a big lesson that we all can learn um, you know, is that God truly provides, you know, he, he provides, yes, we need to have, you know, money and yes, we need to have, uh, you know, you know, something to do during our time, uh, during the day and, and everything. But, but yeah, what a, what a, what a powerful lesson for us. I mean, I think, you know, that can kind of get hidden away, um, you know, in, and glossed over. So it's, so it's good to pull that out and to, you know, bring that to light that, uh, you know, people who don't, don't have work and are in utter poverty, uh, God is still providing for the basic needs, right? The basic needs of food and shelter, um, are, are, are there and, and that must give them such great faith. Like that has to just increase their faith so very much. It, it does. Yeah. And it also not only acts, but also Psalm 23, you know, um, it also comes to mind that, you know, the Lord will provide. El Señor es mi pastor, nada me falta. You know, and um, it's yeah. just, it reminds me of the good shepherd, you know, holding the little sheep, you know, that God will not forsake us. If we really do call upon him, like these two witnesses of in this stage of the two church members, if we call upon Christ and if we, you know, pray to our Blessed Mother, regardless of what extreme poverty we're going through, you know, people who aren't working, during this yeah. pandemic, you know, God will make a way. 
one way or another, especially, you know, like you say, these communities, a lot of them, they're very charitable towards one another. Like the, um, some neighbors, you know, they'll share some food. If they made uh, dinner, they'll come over, they'll bring some food. So it's, it's really nice to see that, you know, like that love of community, like that community within people who are, although they're poor, you know, they're still sharing, you know, whatever they have. So that's a beautiful thing. I mean, definitely where there is charity, there is love. So I think that's a beautiful testimony there too. Yeah, Jacqueline, thank you. Uh, and I want to say also, not only on your sharing about this community and about the situation there and what you just said about the charity of the community members, uh, it reminds me also of the fact of the Mercedarian community and how you and I are connected as members of this third order and how beautiful that is. Now, I, another thing is you and I have talked quite a bit about, um, uh, you know, we, we are both fans of a lot of the ministry of our Holy Father with Absolutely. the wonderful work that he has done to help yeah. the poor. And you and I, I will put this out there on the podcast. I know you, we were even talking about maybe one day, because you and I, Jacqueline, are friends, that we would love to go yeah. to Rome and we would love to meet uh Pope Francis and uh, get to, uh, you know, tell him about the, this mission there in the Dominican Republic, if we ever have that opportunity. Talk a little bit about also you, I know that you have learned so much from the Holy Father. Um, please share on that, if you would. Yes, um, actually. And, you know, just like I was just saying, I am, you know, I really love our Holy Father. I believe that, um, you know, in papal infallibility, and this is true, you know, I, I hope at some point that we'll be able to, you know, by the grace of God, um, go and meet Pope Francis and to tell him about the needs of this impoverished area, the stage and surrounding areas, you know, to see if there's any way. I know that he's really big on helping the poor to help provide out of the shelter for the poor and their families, to provide food for them, um, to help finally construct the Iglesia Mercedes in the poorest town as well. Um, that will be wonderful. And my love for Pope Francis stems from his humility, his humility, his love for the children, the elderly, um, basically the unloved. You can you can just put in there, you know, um, those who are sick, impoverished, handicapped in any way, whether physical or mental. Um, he even loves, you know, his he goes to the prison to um, wash the prisoners feet like that is definitely a testimony to love thy neighbor as thyself. It also reminds me of Mother Teresa. You know, at the end of the day, when God calls us um, on our deathbed, the only thing that we can take with us is not what we have achieved in success, like money, fame, power, prestige. It's what we have given and the love that we have put out there, you know, like the Beatitudes, for example, whether it's corporal or, or merciful, um, you know, and that's feeding the poor, um, you know, like when you saw me a stranger, did you welcome me? Um, when you saw me thirsty, did you give me to drink? You know, like even following the Ten Commandments, you know, no to abortion. Um, I know that a lot, you know, a lot of women are, are scared, especially during these crucial times of the pandemic, about 
you know, having a child, maybe, you know, their, their boyfriend or baby's father is pressuring them into having an abortion. Mm. Um, maybe it was really unplanned or it was, you know, um, maybe they were like premature in their relationship, but things happen. But I mean, people just really have to pray to God for courage. Like God provides, like Bill and I were just saying, I know that even, you know, in the most impoverished of situations, God provides, you know, if we just pray to our Blessed Mother, if we just ask God for help, and the Catholic Church is always willing to help, and they have a lot of pro-life ministries. Um, I know that priests for life do a lot of good pro-life work. Um, and, you know, they can always go on the website as well. Yeah, thank for life. you. You're welcome. You know, so it's always, you know, there's always hope, you know, and, and, and Pope Francis is so strong on that, you know, no to abortion, you know, mm -hmm. God says that all the little children come to me for those, theirs are the kingdom of, of God, you know, and, and I think that, um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, abortion can only seem like the only answer. Maybe people are being pressured by their own family. Maybe they're being kicked out of their own home for crying out loud. Um, maybe their only option is to live on the street, you know, because everyone just closed the door in their face. Um, and I know that could be a scary situation, but I know that if they knock on the door of the church, I know that the church will find a way to help them, regardless of how bad their situation is. Um, yeah, amen, amen. Thank you so much, because everything that you said is uh, something that I personally believe is, is also correct. And uh, blessed to be affiliated with a foundation and a religious order that feels the same way with the work that we've done uh, for pro-life and everything you said about abortion as well and about how the church does have the doors open. You know, it really does. And the, the Catholic Church is there for anyone listening who is affected by abortion in some way, shape or form. Uh, the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. We really are a pro-life organization, a pro-life nonprofit. So I just want to make a shout out because we're a national organization and even international too, uh, is nonatus.org is to please do reach out to us uh, for the pro-life efforts that we are trying to do through prayer and outreach. Yeah. And I know that Patchwork Heart Ministry is big time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're pro-life. Pro pro-life. We're pro-life too. And yeah, I mean, I just think Jacqueline, you know, you're sharing and uh, you being here tonight is just, you know, I mean, we don't do many, um, many shows with an international uh, focus. And I think as, as Catholics and Christians, you know, when we look at these issues, we often forget, we also get very, you know, sucked in, you know, we talk about the pro-life movement. Uh, we talk about, you know, certain issues that, that plague our church um, in, in America, but we forget that the church is universal and it covers every country. It covers every um, single li line of, uh, you know, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, but whatever, whatever social class you find yourself in, you know, the church is there for you and, and it spans the entire globe. And I think we often forget that. So, you know, um, the, these issues like pro-life, these issues like, uh, you know, abortion, uh, uh, you know, murder, all these, all these things that we sit there and, and think about uh, that affect us and our communities, we have to remember are global. 
their global Absolutely. issues. And um, yeah. our Pope, uh, as you guys said, does a wonderful job yeah. at um, making making these issues and and putting them in the forefront of our minds, right? And so uh, I, I just give you know a lot of credit to what you're doing and what what's happening in the Dominican Republic. What's what's happening down there. Uh, is very simple, folks. I mean, Jacqueline, you gave it an amazing, you know, overview here. But the reality is, is that when you drill it down, you've got priests who are dedicated to the gospel, who are lifting people up, and providing a home, and also the formation to create more disciples. And Absolutely. And that, and that is a huge, huge thing. Uh, and it's something that we as Americans uh, can get kind of, um, you know, glossed over. Oh, yeah, we've got to worry about, you know, we, gotta, we, we, yeah, we have to take care of our um, brothers and sisters, you know, in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, let's, you know, write a check or donate. But really, we need to, yes, the money's important. And yes, you know, I, you know I, uh, please get in contact with Jacqueline, if you feel called to donate to this mission. Um, but the reality is, um, you know, we also have to participate with our prayers. We have to participate with our action, you know. Uh, and, and, and so I do hope that, you know, one day that, um, you know, when, when COVID time is over, we're able to uh, go back into some, some level of mission work, too. Uh, to, you know, and Jacqueline, I know you want to travel there and, and see it. And I think that that's an important yeah. thing is to have, you know, international mission work because it's it's what we're called to as Catholics. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Sorry, Jacqueline. <laughs> um, if I may interject just one bit is to say that um, everything that you said, Bill, I want to thank you. And about the Holy Father, uh, we hear a lot about his work in social justice around the world and and how he always calls out on remembering the poor, right? The poor in spirit and the poor materially. But you made a very good point, Jacqueline, is that he's also a pro-life pope. And we don't hear that enough. So I do yeah. think that it's good to hear from you that, um, you know, he, he is standing for the pro-life mission from conception until natural death. And... Um, <laughs> And I think we have to remember that on Catholic podcasts, don't we, Bill? Yeah. We have to remember on Catholic podcasts that he is standing for all of that, not just one side or the other. And that's a brave thing for, um, I think, not only for us, but for anyone to say, because we live in this world where there's a lot of division politically, isn't there? So people like to say that if you're pro-life, you can't be social justice. But not the Catholic Church and not the Pope either. Right. We're standing for both. You know what? It's important to look at both aspects. And that's what, when you help a church like the one in the Dominican Republic, that is exactly what you are doing. You are helping the poor and you are also doing something very pro-life. Jacqueline, tell us again, where would they reach out to you to make that donation? Yes. And that is... Get in contact with me via my email, 
littleflowertoyou at gmail.com. And yeah, that's amazing. Stop. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Little flower, the number two, and then the letter U at gmail.com. Yeah. Little flower, two number, U letter dot com, at gmail.com. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Absolutely. Awesome. And you know, that just reminds us of um, 1 Corinthians 13, 3. So every time we give, we have to give with love because God looks at the amount of love in which we give. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Jacqueline, you are an amazing guest on Sewing Hope. <laughs> yeah, we're so grateful to you for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. And it's you. so great to thank see you. you too, because we're looking at each other on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, so I'm able to are. see you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's been such a long time since we've literally seen each other face to face. It's wonderful to be able to interact face to face here on Zoom and to be on the show. I mean, you and and Bill are doing such incredible work for God. And, you know, and like I said, at the end of the day, that is what is most important. You know, um, what we did for those who are less fortunate. Amen. Amen. And Jacqueline, I want to thank you, too, for being not just a, a friend at church, we'll say, quote unquote, but also a friend of mine as well. I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. I, I really, our friendship means a lot to me, and thank you so much. Thank you God for bless being you, here. my friend. God bless you too, my friend. Yeah, folks, this is just uh, wonderful. I really appreciate you all uh, tuning in tonight, uh, or whenever you're listening. And uh, note, just again, that our Tuesday show is now an evening show. So if you're listening to this that uh, and you're like, oh, this is, you know, the regular time. Yes, it's the regular Thursday time. But uh, we have moved the Tuesday show to an evening show. So 6 p.m. on Tuesdays uh, going forward. Uh, so if you're a night owl like both Anne and I are. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> right, we are, we are, right. We are much better in the, um, in the evening than we are in the morning. But uh, f- uh, feel free, you know, to tune in live. We'll be here on the Sewing Hope podcast on YouTube. And, uh, and then, of course, you can get it on demand anytime. And we really appreciate uh, each and everybody uh, listening. We also appreciate you when you reach out. And thank you so much for, I mean, the listenership has just been really uh, exponentially growing. And we're just so blessed in that. So, so thank you for tuning in and thank you for being a part of our uh, show and we really hope that uh, you reach out to us and you know shoot us a message on our email, which is simply uh, S-E-W-I-N-G, hope at patchworkheart.org. Uh, both Ann and I get those emails if you email us at sewinghope at patchworkheart.org. And we really appreciate everybody, but thank you, uh, Ann. Thank you, Jacqueline. It's been uh, just a wonderful uh, blessing to have you. Thank you. It's been a blessing um, to be here once again on your podcast show, Patrick Ministry, Bill and Anne. Once again, thank you so very much for having me on the show today. God bless you both. God bless you, Jacqueline. Well, and folks, Bill, I'll talk to you. <laughs> absolutely. Well, folks, I uh, want to thank you for tuning in. And again, we'll see you on Thursday. Until then, keep beating to see you on Tuesday. Keep beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into those broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, 
visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.